This is Channel 253. Move to Tacoma! On this episode of Move to Tacoma. But when you're preparing to buy a house, you really have to be intentional. You have to make a plan. You have to save because in 2018, we could ask the seller for stuff. Yeah. Now yeah. we have to offer the seller more money. Channel 253 is supported by Microsoft. Microsoft is committed to civic conversations like those on Channel 253 that inform and empower Washington communities. To learn more, visit aka.ms slash Microsoft in Washington. We're back. I'm Marguerite, and I want you to move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. You'll like it. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma.com. Welcome to Move to Tacoma. This is Marguerite, and I am here today with Sharon Chambers-Gordon. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you for having me. Good to see you again. Yes, good to see you as we begin to slowly ease out of the pandemic waters. How are you feeling about that? Ready. Ready. (laughs) Ready to ease out of the waters and to see some sunshine and some long evenings. Yes. Bring on the summer. Yes. So I'm so excited that you're here, Sharon. Sharon is, I mean, I don't even know how to describe you. You're a realtor extraordinaire. You're one of my favorite buyer's agents in Tacoma. Uh, You are just like a fierce advocate for your clients. And it's one of the things that I love most about you. You're also the... Uh, executive director, CEO of Raising Girls, which is a nonprofit that helps get hygiene products to girls in Tacoma and beyond. Um, yes. I, did I describe you well enough? Yes. Founder and CEO of Raising Girls, and we provide hygiene bags for both boys and girls. Oh, I did not realize that. Yes. That's amazing. You're also the mother of an amazing daughter. I am. She's amazing. <laughs> I have to agree. So I ask everybody these questions. So my first question for you is, when did you move to Tacoma and why? I feel like you've been here forever, but you're not from Tacoma. Not from Tacoma. I am from Jamaica, the beautiful Caribbean island. You are our first Caribbean guest. All right. I'll take that. I'll take that. And I moved here from Tuscaloosa, Alabama in 2002. And we came to the University of Puget Sound. I worked there for 15 years. Oh, my God. As the director for the fellowships and scholarships office there. However, when my daughter Amara was five years old, I made a plan that when she went off to college, I was going to do something different Mm. because I wanted to launch my nonprofit organization, serve my community, and run a business with my own schedule. So I did exactly that. Well done, Sharon. I didn't realize you were at UPS for 15 years before you got into real estate. That's amazing. From 2002 to 2017. That's incredible. Well, okay, so what neighborhood do you live in and what do you like about it? Currently, I live in Fircrest. I downsized last year and moved into a condo community out of a a bigger home. I didn't need that much space and it is working very well for me. I love Fircrest. Uh, remember, it's 25 miles an hour, folks, Yeah, <laughs> through Fircrest. I, I if been, you don't remember, they will remind you. <laughs> I have been stopped by the officer, <laughs> rushing to a home inspection. <laughs> Ma'am, please slow down. But Aww. he did not give me a ticket, so that was awesome. So I moved to Fircrest. I've been living there for, well, March 16 will be one year. And before that, I lived in Tacoma for nine years. And before that, we lived in Geek Harbor. Wow. Mm-hmm. So out of everywhere you've lived, what's your favorite spot? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) choose your favorite child. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know, I think about 
the area as the greater Tacoma area. That's how I Me describe too. when I do community tours for my clients. Yeah. I say this is the greater Tacoma uh, area. So I try not to pick out a favorite. Um, I describe this area as one of the most navigable places I've ever lived. Yeah. 20 minutes from anything, pharmacy, hospital, yeah. you know, everything is very much there. So I love Fircrest. I love Tacoma. And most of all, my neighbors made Gig Harbor one of the most wonderful places to raise my mm. daughter because they had kids and my daughter lived at home and she was like she was a part of a family of 10 and it was awesome. Oh, that's cool. So it's not just the neighborhood, but the community of people you have around you. Definitely. That makes the magic. Definitely. Well, that's awesome. Well, uh, Sharon, uh, the reason I asked you to come in today is, uh, you know, we, we don't talk about real estate on the Move to Tacoma podcast typically. Like, I am a real estate agent, you're a real estate agent, but uh, we try to talk about community and neighborhoods, but it has gotten so out of control the last few years. Like, I think appreciation for Pierce County last year was 18%. Mm-hmm. The year before it was 15%. And I talk to people all the time, either in private messages on Instagram or on the chat on my website, like people saying like, can I even buy a house? Is it even possible? And the truth is, is if you're buying a house under $650,000 in Tacoma, it's hard, right? Yes, very hard. But it's not impossible. And since you are, like I said, one of my favorite buyer's agents, you make magic happen for my clients when I send them to you. (laughs) Like, I just wanted to get your perspective on, you know, what can people do to how to where do you even begin? If you live in Tacoma and you want to buy a house, things being what they are, what's your advice for folks? Well, one of the things that I am sure to do with my clients is to educate them. We talk a lot and look at numbers for the numbers to make sense to them for where they are choosing to live. Mm. So a lot of folks come and, you know, they want to do North End, they want to do Proctor, and we ended up buying in South Tacoma Mm. because the budget was stretched enough for there and they could find a home that they love. So I have been advocating for people to look around, look at different areas, don't get really set on just one area and then feel disappointed. Let's kind of look around and look at other homes. And that has really helped my clients. We, we, We start Start in the north end and then we end up in central Tacoma. Then we drift out and they're very, very happy with homes that they have purchased elsewhere. I think it's important for the uninitiated, for people who are not paying attention to the median home price by neighborhood in Tacoma to recognize that, you know, our most affordable neighborhood, which I think right now is South Tacoma, mm-hmm. um, and our most expensive neighborhood, which is the stadium district in in the city of Tacoma. Obviously, yeah. Pierce County is another beast. But in the city, those are a mile apart. They are very close very to each close. other. This isn't like Seattle where you go from one neighbor, the most expensive neighborhood to the most affordable neighborhood yes. and it's a 45-minute drive. We're that talking is... 10 minutes. So I think the median home, I mean, this is this podcast, we're recording this in March of 2022. So yes. grain of salt for whenever you're listening. But, you know, it's just under 400000 to buy a house in South Tacoma and it's almost a million to buy a house in Stadium. That is so correct. So more than double. So I, th- I think that idea of, like, drifting, people are like, oh, my God, but I have I have my gym. I have my grocery store. Like, you probably don't have to change any of those things if you're moving from the north to the south or from the west to the east or whatever your path might be. And that is just the magic of Tacoma. Everybody mm. wants to come here. I have so many <laughs> clients who are coming. To, you know, we're moving from Portland, California, Arizona. Yeah. The place is an awesome place to be. And 
it is 20 minutes within of anything that you want, it's whether it's gym, pharmacy, restaurant, hospital. And, you know, it's just a great place. So I agree with you that one mile, that five mile difference will not make a huge difference when you purchase in a location because you can get to where you want to go. I think one of the things that's hardest to explain to people, even, I mean, you know, we talk about people moving here from California or Portland or Seattle, like people who are really outside. But even people who are moving to Tacoma from South Hill or Graham or, you know, from the peninsula or something, like they're like, oh, Tacoma, the traffic. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, our freeway has traffic. (laughs) It has terrible. I'm not going to. I'm not caping for I-5. I-5 traffic is terrible. Mm -hmm. But within the city, we're really lucky. It's not traffic-y to move around the city. We are so lucky. And there are four or five ways to get home, you know, which I love about this place. You can turn this way, this way, and you can get home. And yeah, it's a very navigable city, very friendly. And people don't have to go far. You don't have to hit the highway to get to anything. And that's the beauty of here. Get into the water, get into the restaurant, on the water. You don't even have to hit the highway at all. Not even Highway 16 sometimes. All right. Well, I think we've sold everybody on Tacoma. And I think if they're listening, they they probably already live here or are sold on it anyway. So let's talk about how to get in. So mm-hmm. you're talking about educating yourself. So the first piece of education you have is be flexible on the where. Yes. Right? So if, if what is the next piece of advice that you have to someone? Like keep an open mind and then? And then let's look at the dollars. <laughs> Let's make a plan for the money that you have. So when I meet with my clients, we're taking out our, now it's on the phone, we're taking out our calculators Mm. because I'm making them write things down. Mm. So if we have $450,000... Then we're going to look at what extra do you have if you're qualified for 450. How much cash on hand do you have? Because can we pause at 450? Yes. Just because I know there are people listening that that are not involved in the home ownership process yet, and they're just like 400 and what, Sharon? Like how much is 450 thousand dollars like in a monthly payment? Obviously, it varies by how much you're putting down. But what does that really mean to someone, like month to month? If if you're looking at a four hundred fifty thousand dollar home, maybe about twenty three hundred, which includes taxes and insurance, cool. for four hundred and fifty. All right, so that's a good thing to keep in mind. So yes. when she says four fifty, that means twenty three hundred a month ish. Please consult your mortgage professional. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're looking at the numbers because we want to see if you're qualified for that. How much extra cash have you saved? Mm-hmm. And that savings, that cachet of cash is going to make the difference in how you can bid on a house. So I always encourage, uh, especially first-time home buyers, to save, save, save. Mm-hmm. I mean, save, save, save. So I do, <laughs> what I teach, I used to teach home buyers classes in person. Now they take them online. But I used to teach about the rotisserie chicken. Oh. And how do you stretch your budget using a four ninety nine rotisserie chicken, whether from, you know, Big Boss, Big Box, or local store. You are quite granular when you talk about <laughs> I, saving. I am. I am. Because I said, I say, no extra coffees, no nothing. We are saving for home. And that extra uh, rotisserie chicken will give you 10 meals. And let me show you how. Mm. You want me to tell you how? Yeah. Are you interested in knowing how? I mean, I'm a vegetarian, but like, for the people at home. For the people at home. Yes, and we can do that with veggies too, for sure. We how can to stretch a tofu. Well, we can stretch the cabbage oh. in many different ways. And oh. I can teach you how too. This is yeah. very valuable. <laughs> but yeah, but it's talking about how we do, we cut off all the dart meat. We put that aside. We then cut the chicken breast and we 
cut that up into different bite-sized pieces. Then we have the uh, bones. You saute in your favorite sauce, the dark meat. Then you chop up your uh, chicken breast with your favorite veggies and make a stir fry. That's different meals already. Mm -hmm. And then you put the bones in a pot of water with your favorite veggies and you make a soup. And then you have 10 different meals from one rotisserie chicken. It's very Now, practical. when it comes on to vegetarians, you go get some cabbage. You get some carrots and onions. I don't know that I've ever bought a cabbage in oh. my whole life. Do you? I know. I, I need to teach you. I, I used to do teaching cla uh, cooking classes too. <laughs> I'll help you. I'll help you. But it's how you stretch that budget. Because when you're purchasing a home, you have to change As some of what you do in terms of how you're looking at your monies, right? Mm. We don't need to spend the $50 at, you know, the green whatever um, store, coffee store. Mm -hmm. You just need to focus in on the extras, buy the coffee and have it at home just because you're looking to save for a house. Okay, but like again, I'm imagining the folks at home. Yes, $450,000. Okay, so if I need 20% down, you're telling me I have to save $90,000? Sharon, I only make $75,000 a year. There's no rotisserie chicken in the world that's going to get me $90,000, Sharon. Well, you What do, do I do? You don't need 20% down. What? Yes, you can do 3% down. You can do 3.5% down for an FHA. You can do 5% down for a conventional loan. Okay, so I think a lot of people just... Do not know that. Yes. And if you're in the military, you might even be able to do zero, zero down. down on a yeah. VA loan. Yes. So can can we talk a little bit about how that's possible and how I, I think the one thing I'd like to say, sometimes people are like, oh, well, yeah, but then I have to pay mortgage insurance and like that's like your granddaddy bought his first house using an FHA loan like yes. this is like the, the most first time my very mm -hmm. first home was FHA I don't know Mine about too. you Sharon Mine yeah. too. Yes. it is normal there is like no shame in the FHA game and there's no shame in the private mortgage insurance game especially not when homes are appreciating at 15% a year so if you paid you know $3,000 in a year in private mortgage insurance you probably made more than that in appreciation on your home so Anyway, sorry, that was a little editorial. I had, the, I had the same conversation with oh, my clients just yesterday oh. about what they're putting down in a house. And, you know, it was like, oh, but we don't have 20%. Don't worry about 20%, guys. Make a plan. Because of the appreciation in equity, you make that back. Yeah. year and a half, two years, you can perhaps call your mortgage company to take off the PMI off of there. Well, and just to pause you there, like what you mean by that? So when she said PMI, that's the mortgage insurance. And the mortgage insurance isn't for you. That's not like your homeowner's insurance. Mm -hmm. The mortgage insurance is a policy they make you buy for your bank that in case correct. you default because you're putting less money down. That is right. So the, the idea of paying a little bit extra in order to have that privilege of keeping more of your cash Um, you know, we used to say, like, when you said you could refinance out, like, it's is it like 80% once you're... Once you're at 80% in equity. Once you have 20% equity in your home... You can, you can refinance it and get rid of that monthly You don't payment. have to refinance it. You oh. call your mortgage company and ask them to take They'll off... Just yes, it. they will take it off awesome. your loan. And so educating yourselves, you know, keeping in touch with your lender when you own is a very good idea. Awesome. Okay, so no shame in the less than 20% down game. You got to do it. Um, so, okay, let's say you're putting, um, let's say you, let's say you have, if it's a $450,000 house and, uh, let's say you have five uh, 5% down. So that's, uh, what would that be, Sharon? That's like 20, $20, $22,000. Or 22,000. Yeah. So 445,000 divided by two would be 10, would be 5%. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. 
So twenty. So you got you got twenty two thousand mm-hmm. dollars already sitting in your bank account. Are you good to go? You have your five percent. Is that enough to buy a house? No, it's not. Oh, Sharon. <laughs> because then you have to factor in closing costs, All which is right. about one percent to one point five percent of the purchase price. So when and, you're doing your numbers, you need to write those things down. So okay, so you're looking at a four hundred fifty thousand dollar house, and you have twenty two thousand ish saved, but you're also going to need your closing costs, which is how much? 1.5% of, of that, maybe about 7000 or so. So what if this buyer's parents is like, oh, don't worry. The seller will pay your closing costs. Just tell your realtor to have the seller pay your closing costs for Not you. Not in this market. Okay, that used to be a thing <laughs> we did. Your mom thing. is right. Your dad is right. Yes. That used to happen all the time, but no, doesn't happen anymore. Up right. to, Very rare. Up to 2018, we could do that. Yeah. We could write it into our offer price and ask the seller back for those funds, but it is not like that anymore. Mm. So, okay, so if it's, you said, 2.5%-ish? 1.5%. 1.5%. So that would be like another $7,000, yes, basically. Yes, Okay, so we got 22 plus 7. So we're, we're basically at $30,000. 30. Is mm-hmm. that enough to buy the house, Sharon? Yeah, it could be enough to buy the house, but we have to factor in some other costs. Oh, like what? Like a home inspection. Oh, right. And if you lose out on a first or second home, then you may have to put some money aside. Home inspections are going anywhere between four fifty and seven hundred dollars, where you're making sure that they're not only looking at the house, but you're also doing your sewer scope. Oh, because so important in Tacoma with all those trees and those tree roots, you want to make sure that you have a side sewer scope to see what's going on with the plumbing underneath the house. Until you become a homeowner, most people don't even know. And sometimes, even when you become a homeowner, people don't know that you own your sewer mm-hmm. from your house. To the, street, to the street, and if it breaks, it's that's on yours. You. Yeah, yep. so you definitely want to know if there's anything weird about your sewer before you buy it. <laughs> yes, and um, in this market, can we talk about home inspections? Yeah, and in this market, a lot of competition. A lot of buyers are saying we want to waive our home inspection. Okay, okay, this is not Seattle, Sharon. What's happening? So, okay, it used to be in the olden days. You had ten days to inspect the house, mm-hmm. to inspect the sewer. Every, you know, dad's at the inspection, knocking on everything, double checking stuff. That's if if people can't do that, what can they do instead? So, I have a story for you. Oh, Just God. happened last weekend. Our clients put a. They've said that Sharon, we found our dream home. It's in Lakewood. And they put an offer in on that home. I got a call from the listed agent one night, and she said, we have X amount of offers on the table. You guys are the only ones who are not waiving your home inspection. Mm. All the other offers are waiving their home inspection. so much pressure. And Were these first-time buyers? First-time home buyers. And I didn't bat an eyelid. I said to her, and we will not waive our home inspection. Mm. Here's what we can do. We can do a pass-fail inspection. Oh, A pass-fail inspection is one where you get a chance to get your home inspector in there, learn about the house, but you will not ask the seller for any repairs. Mm. It's like we're in or we're out. That is correct. Pass or fail. But that gives your client a way to learn about the house. To buy a home in this 
market is very, very tough, but there are ways to figure out how you can get in there. So that's what we negotiated. I called my uh, my clients. We had talked about pass-fail before, mm. um, so they're familiar with that, and they gave me the go-ahead to say, wow. yes, we'll do pass-fail. Okay, are you listening still? Mm. So we get an opportunity to do the pass-fail. They asked us to take off the five days to three days, and so we got a home inspection in there. You were able to get a home inspector out in three days? Yes, well, in a day. <laughs> the power of Sharon <laughs> Chambers <laughs> So got a home inspector out there on the Monday. What happened last week, Monday? Deluge of rain. Oh, man. The rain was pouring so badly in Tacoma yeah. and Lakewood, where the house is, Barguerite. The roof was leaking like a sieve. Oh my God! In the rain. What if your clients had waved? Oh, yeah, crap. and that is why, yeah. as a buyer's agent representing my clients, I never recommend not having a home inspection. And you can do the pass fail. And what happened was we knew there were some significant things that were good about the house. Mm. Furnace was newer. Water heater was newer. The the electrical panel was updated, but we didn't know anything about the roof, nor the crawl space, Mm -hmm. nor the attic. And those were important for us to learn about, right? And so that roof was leaking like a sieve lady. So I I texted the listing agent and I said, "Um, things are not looking so good over here. And she said, how are things? Uh, what, what's going on? I took the opportunity to say the roof is a, is an issue. And um, she, I called her and we spoke and I asked if she would talk to the seller about replacing the roof. Mm. And, you know, sometimes you the stars align and you get that right seller who is willing to negotiate, even yeah. though we were pass fail. Yeah. And we negotiated a brand new roof wow. that was just completed today and passed by the city of Lakewood for my first time home buyers who would have been left with a roof like a sieve if we have waived our home inspection. Well, and that's the thing, you know, you're already stretching like on this hypothetical $450,000 house mm-hmm. where we've come up with $30,000 just to get just it, to maybe 3200 to, $3, to yep. inspect it and all of that. And now you own it, you've cleaned out your savings and you have a roof problem. Mm-hmm. That can really happen when you buy a house. Yes. So, okay, let's say the pass fail thing doesn't work. There are some other things that are happening in the marketplace. Sometimes the sellers do a pre-inspection. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they let the buyers pre-inspect the home. Like what does that mean and how does that show up for your clients? Okay, so on the listing side, I have tended to have uh, my sellers do a pre-inspection. So there are no surprises with the sewer or the roof or anything like that. So, so in this case, the seller is paying the $700 to have someone come out that and is correct. do all of that in advance. Yes. So this is a seller-procured seller, seller procured inspection, and the seller will do that. And, uh, you know, everyone advises their sellers differently, but I usually advise my sellers to do that. Then we're able to know what's going on uh, with the house. Uh, oftentimes, we'll do the repairs um, that are called out, the major things, and then we're able to offer that home inspection to prospective buyers highlighting the things that were repaired and that makes a buyer feel much better Mm -hmm. about putting an offer on a house. Mm -hmm. I just did that in North Tacoma and it worked very well. And then there are opportunities for pre-inspection. Now, the timeline of that may be challenging if you list on Thursday and you're reviewing offers on Sunday, but 
I've been there 7 a.m. in the morning for pre-inspection. I believe you, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> because we try to squeeze in there a little bit just to get that pre-inspection so mm-hmm. we can know. Because when it's so competitive and there's so many uh, buyers, you know, who are looking at the homes, it's hard to uh, squeeze a little time. But we always try to see if we can get a home inspection very, very quickly so that my buyers will know in a competitive market. Because sometimes you have to do that to be very competitive to get yeah. the home. Yeah. So I think this is something that buyers, when they're talking about budgeting for their home inspection, there is the potential that they could be writing, doing a home a pre-inspection, writing an offer, then losing yes. the multiple offer, and then yes. having to go out and do it again, yes. and maybe again and again. Yes. Especially, you know, right now we're at the early, early part of spring. Mm-hmm. This is where we always have more buyers than listings, even mm-hmm. in a normal year and yep. in a frenzy year. It's just totally out of balance. So how do you how do you sort of prepare your buyers to sort of decide when to pre-inspect and when not to pre-inspect? How do you know if you're competitive or not? Well, it's hard to gauge when you're competitive, but I have my buyers follow their hearts. I said <laughs> to them, if if when you walk in this house, you'll feel yeah. something, okay, let's throw a pre-inspection in there. Yeah. And But we also look at the numbers to know how competitive we can be. So we will look at what extra monies do you have mm-hmm. to be able to offer more for an appraisal gap. So if they feel that tug, they love this house, just like those uh, those, um, uh, uh, clients who say, we found our dream home, Mm. I would encourage them to do a pre-inspection. So when we make our offer, we have already done the pre-inspection and we know what's wrong with the house. Also, that pre-inspection form allows you to ask the seller for major repairs. Ah. So it's not like you you do the pre-inspection, you have to take the house as is. You make a strong offer and then you're able to ask the seller there. I think there are four lines on that form that ask you can ask the seller to if it, if the roof was if the roof is bad you know if the electrical panel is replacing so yeah. that there can be some negotiations um there that's really good to know all right i see doug giving me a significant look so we're going to take a little break and come right back Hello, friends. This is Marguerite Martin, creator of MoveToTacoma.com and co-founder of Channel 253. It's bad out there, folks. Home prices in Pierce County are up 15% year over year. While it's no secret that the market is hot, you may not know that Tacoma has been the hottest housing market in the country for several years. There is an extreme shortage of homes for buyers to buy. Having a local Tacoma buyer's agent that specializes in the neighborhood and price range you're after can mean the difference between losing or winning the bid on your dream home. If you're looking to sell your current home and find something that meets your needs better, having a neighborhood expert handle your listing will impact how much money you net off of your sale. The right agent to market and sell a home on the West Slope might not be the same person who has the expertise and connections to find you an income generating duplex somewhere else. All agents have specialties, and I know the players for every niche. Best of all, it doesn't cost you anything. Great local agents are happy to pay me a finder's fee if you end up buying or selling. And you can rest easy knowing you're going to get a great agent who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. If you want to learn more, visit MoveToTacoma.com and use the contact form. Thanks for listening to Channel 253. And we're back. And I am supposed to remind everyone that Move to Tacoma is coming to you from Channel 253, which is a member-supported 
podcast network of Tacoma Podcasts. Sharon, I don't know if you know about Channel 253, but you can be a member for $40 a year. I'll pay 100 You would, well, Then you would be a VIP <laughs> member, and you would get to hang out with producer Doug whenever you wanted. That sounds good to me. Yeah. So uh, being a member means you also get access to the Channel 253 Slack channel. And if you've ever been, uh, for those of those of you that are members, when things are going down in Tacoma, that is the place you want to be to get all the inside scoops. So consider membership if you haven't already. All right, Sharon. So we've been talking about how to get, how to be competitive, how to buy a house in Tacoma, how much money you need to save, how inspections work, how financing works. Uh, and you just dropped a word that I think a lot of people are not familiar with. Even real estate agents five years ago probably wouldn't have really known what it was, appraisal gap. What is that? That is the way of the market right oh, now. God. So the appraisal gap, the form is called the 22 AD, Additional Down Payment for Low Appraisal. And that appraisal gap represents the amount of money that you need to have on hand as extra cash if you make an offer that's over asking price to offer to the seller. So I can talk some numbers with you. Yeah. So, okay, we've got our person mm-hmm. that's pre-approved to 450. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they're they being prudent. So they're mostly looking at houses under 400 because yes. they know they're going to get bid up. Yes. So they find a house for 399 and they're offering 450. But what's the appraisal gap for? So the 399 minus 450 is $51,000. Yes. And so sometimes if you offer 450, you may not have 51,000, you may have 20,000. But finding a way to have some funds available to the seller just in case. So I think we need to start with what the appraisal is. So if you the problem with offering $450,000 on a $399,000 house mm-hmm. is there might not be any sales in the neighborhood at 450 yet because right. the market goes up so quickly in Tacoma mm-hmm. that sometimes the market price outstrips the sold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying when you put the appraisal gap addendum in is like if the bank says it's worth less than I offered, mm-hmm. don't worry, I'll make up the cash difference. I'll make up the cash difference. And does that literally mean if I have saved, you know, $30,000 for my down payment and my closing costs that I actually need that other 20 or that other 50 or whatever it ends up being in order to, I need that in my pocket? Yes. You need to have that in your pocket. And the way the market is going now, and that is why when I'm talking to my clients, we're talking about just eating cabbage or rotisserie chicken because you have to save. You have to save some extra money. Sometimes you have family members who are willing to give you a gift of funds, and that's also helpful. You know, so a parent, and auntie may be willing to give you the $20,000, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the norm for many folks, yeah. but that's sometimes a possibility. But when you're preparing to buy a house, you really have to be intentional. You have to make a plan. You have to save because in 2018, we could ask the seller for stuff. Yeah. Now yeah. We, are, we have to offer the seller more money to fill in if a home is sold for three ninety nine, we say we offer three twenty, mm. and the house appraises for the three ninety nine, then we need twenty one thousand dollars to fill that gap for the seller. Sometimes you don't have to fill the full gap, mm. but offer the seller something yeah, to make so, them feel better about. Get- so, for example, if the house was three ninety nine and it got bid up to four fifty, and you only had twenty thousand dollars, you could. Maybe renegotiate with the seller down to four thirty if it didn't appraise. Well, or something like that. Well, it is that. written in the contract. Okay. And whatever you promise the seller 
is what you expected to have. So it's not like a renegotiation when mm. you're, you have the transaction. You have your forms in your offer, and that's what we're agreeing to. That's wild. Oh, Sharon, these are hard times for buyers right now. It Appraisal is, gap addendums. Yes. That probably came from Seattle. <laughs> I know it came from Seattle. Okay, so you get through the appraisal, you're sorted out there, and it's time to to close on the house. What do people need to be expecting as that 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 closing process happens? What's involved? The time between finishing up your home inspection and getting your appraisal to closing is between appraisal and closing are the quiet time, where sometimes the buyer buyer saying, oh. What's going on? But Why isn't the, anyone calling no me? No one is calling me. <laughs> you were calling me every day. That is correct. <laughs> but the lender is working their magic on our behalf yeah. to make sure that all the paperwork has been received, to make sure that any debt against the house, those payoffs are in place. But this is so where you then, get that call from your lender that's like, yeah, we need a lender, a letter explaining what this transaction was two months correct. ago. And you're like, what? Why yeah. didn't you ask for this at the beginning? That is correct. Someone else is looking Somebody at it Somebody else is looking at it, right? <laughs> so you have your lender, then you have your processor, right? And you have your underwriter. So there are other layers of people in there is not just your lender that's yeah. working on that loan. It goes from lender to processor to underwriter. Double, triple and, checking. Yes, double, triple checking, everything. And sometimes you do get that call to provide some evidence as to why is this on your credit report? Mm-hmm. You know, what explanations do you have? So that they can feel that you can afford to pay that mortgage without defaulting. And that's our goal, that when we get a buyer into a home, that they will not default. And so we're making sure that all these steps are covered. Awesome. So um, one of the things I'm sort of imagining someone listening, like an average person, a normal, normal person that makes normal money, sadly doesn't have generational wealth Mm -hmm. from the family coming. You know, they've been working that rotisserie chicken situation for a couple of years. They've been saving their pennies. Maybe they're living in a place that's, you know, not totally what they could afford because they're saving money every month, saving with a partner. But sometimes it doesn't feel like it's going to be enough. What Mm -hmm. are some creative ways that you've seen people save or um, I'm thinking of um, I I had a client once that um, she got in a car accident. You know, she was saving, but she kind of didn't think she was going to be able to buy a house. She got rear-ended. She got an accident settlement. Suddenly she had enough money to buy. Like these things do happen in life. Hopefully it's not a car accident, Mm -hmm. you know, but like how do you prepare? How do you how do you see people sourcing the money that they need to buy a home when that's a significant amount of money? Well, some people get another job. Oh. You know, get an extra side gig just to beef up the, yeah. those savings. Mm-hmm. One of the things, though, that I also don't want us to leave here and I'm not talk about yeah. about that in terms of people getting uh, into a house is setting expectations for what the buyers are looking for. Mm. So right now we're into the list on Thursday, Friday, review offers on Monday. Yeah. And if my buyers only have a certain amount of money, and cannot go any higher, has very little or nothing for appraisal gap, Mm -hmm. then I'm counseling them differently in this crazy market. I am not encouraging them to go look at the homes that have offer review dates. Oh, I'm encouraging them to look at homes that have been on the market longer. Okay, Sharon, I think we're drifting into your secret sauce here. Are you sure (laughs) other realtors could listen to this? Are you sure you want to talk about this? I live with an attitude of abundance. All right, let's and do so it. I can share and I know that <laughs> <laughs> 
There's no problem. Tell us your tricks, Sharon. But we are not going to be looking at those homes that have offer review dates because we know in this market there's going to be so many offers. I mean, what I'm hearing right now from clients is there were eight offers on that house. There were nine offers How on that house. How about 22? What? How about 25 offers mm, on that one house? 25 says you should have priced it higher, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> the market is crazy, right? But I am encouraging my clients, inter- and, and we do this, we talk about setting expectations of looking at homes that have been on the market a little bit longer, have motivated sellers who will take, usually, your, the offer price, the one that is there, and do not expect to have an appraisal um, gap for that. And so we are just kind of recalibrating expectations. And I always encourage, especially my first time home buyers, this is not your forever home. Yeah. We purchase homes to build wealth and to, you can move up, you can do lateral, you can do different. You live in the home five to seven years. So we are looking at what I call that 85% home. Another thought um, that I'm thinking of for how to get in, um, my boyfriend just bought his first house, mm-hmm. and uh, he's not American, so he didn't know all the tricks, and I was, I was feeling very smug getting to tell him all my secrets. <laughs> and one of the things he said was, well, I just, I can't buy a house right now because I haven't saved yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, don't you have, like, retirement? Yes. And he was like, oh, yeah, I've got lots mm-hmm. in retirement. Good and point. I'm like, you can you can use some of that. So how do you advise clients? I know it probably gives people the heebie-jeebies yes. that are listening. They're like, no, my yep. retirement is sacred. But let's say it's not. Uh, how would you use it? Excellent point for retirement. And several of my clients have pulled out some funds from their retirement to make up for what they have. And what I say to them is if you take some funds out of your retirement, say you need to be competitive, you have access to 80,000 in retirement, I'm saying let's do 35 Mm -hmm. so that we have some funds. That is the benefit of working and having a retirement account is to make it work for you when it comes on to home ownership. Absolutely. Because in a year with how this market is going, you have built that equity in your home for that. And for those listening, every time Sharon and I say like something like, for how this market's going and 18%, 15% appreciation. Obviously, we don't want to be breathlessly promising 15% a year in perpetuity because, yes. I mean, I I freaking hope that doesn't happen. Like, yes. that is absolutely unsustainable. Yeah. Historically, you know, we used to say, like, plan for 3% that's a year. Right. That's right. You know, plan 5% yes. a year. Plan something conservative. Um, and that's, you know, not that far off from what a managed fund mm-hmm. is going to get you yes. that your employer has invested your retirement in. So even very, very, very conservatively, the housing, I mean, the housing market usually beats the stock market yes. in our region. Yes. But it's it's a good, if you're still thinking of this money as investment money, investing for your future, a home's a good place a home to is put a good that. Place. Yes, and that the retirement uh, companies are willing to relinquish the money, mm-hmm. right? Because there's some retirement company um, that will not have you do loans on there, but they're willing to give you the money mm-hmm. if you're purchasing a home. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you'll want to consult your tax professional yes. Yes, because yes. like sometimes you have to pay taxes, sometimes you don't. There's like little tips and tricks, but yes. that's for the tax professionals to talk to you about. But it's it's a it's a source. Yes. So car accident is not the only way to home ownership. <laughs> um, there's also like any money you might have saved mm-hmm. in retirement. Um, 
When I bought my first house, uh, it was in 2005, in the olden days, Mm -hmm. and rates were 6.8%. So it was a little bit of a different time, except that housing prices were spiking then the way they are now. And I think the median home price in Pierce County was like $280,000. And I was only pre-approved to 150. And I looked at the three houses in Pierce County that were 150,000, which I think is the equivalent of probably like 275 today. If you Mm -hmm. were going to look at $275,000 houses in Pierce County, there would probably just be a few. They would probably be in terrible shape. Your bank probably won't want a loan on them. Mm -hmm. And it was just devastating. Like I cried. And uh, my realtor at the time, shout out to Craig Bergstrom, um, he, you know, he gave me a lot of support in that time. And one of the things that we talked about was a duplex. And that's what Mm -hmm. I ended up doing. We found a duplex for 200. So my my payment at 150 was like $1,500 a month. But my payment on the $225,000 house uh, duplex was only sixteen hundred a month, mm-hmm. so it's not like you know adding a hundred thousand dollars to the price meant doubling larger, the mortgage payment or something. Yes. It didn't, and then we had renters that paid half the mortgage mm-hmm. every month. So, have you ever had a client do this? Like, what what do you think? What is your advice for clients to try multifamily, and how does that work? Yes, and yes, I have had clients uh, do that, and that's one way to really manage the money. And get help to pay your mortgage, not only get help to pay your mortgage, but then sometimes maybe you're able to put something aside even from what you um, you get. Mm. Those price points, which are lower, you have to do some work on these, on the, on the home. Some renovations, maybe it's sprucing up the kitchen, you know, maybe it's doing something when you, when you actually move into the home. But to get a, give yourself a chance on a lower price point, you know, plan to put some sweat equity in there to put the house together. Well, and if we're thinking about things like, okay, so we have the $450,000 homeowner, first-time mm-hmm. buyer, with the $2,300 a month mortgage payment. Maybe they find a duplex uh, in somewhere in Tacoma for 650000 Well, that's like a $3,500 a month mortgage payment. Yes, yes. So how are they qualifying for that? I think they still give you credit, like 70% of the rent, what the renter is paying, yes, right? Yes, yes. So you have a duplex where the yep. rent on each side is like $2,000 per side. So you get credit for $1,600 that's and added to your income. So now you qualify correct. for the $650,000 yes. duplex. So yeah, now you have this $3,600 mortgage payment instead of the $2,300 mm-hmm. mortgage payment because the person on the other side is paying $2,000 a month. Yep. You're now paying $1,600, but you own a $650,000 duplex, which is going to appreciate you know, more than the $450,000 house, most likely. I mean, depends on the neighborhood. Yes. But like that's the kind of, I mean, the, and, and I, if I, it, my, my brain is breaking. I don't love math. That is correct. You know, but the, what I'm, t- what I guess I'm trying to say is I get so sad for people when they see the raw numbers mm-hmm. of a house in Tacoma costs $450,000, $2,300. How am I going to do this? Where am I going to find $40,000, $30,000? Like there are solutions. And I guess this brings me to like, I'm, I'm setting you up, Sharon. What is like the, the, the real first thing that someone needs to do when they're thinking in this direction? Talk to their lender. And their realtor, right? And talk to their realtor. Because their realtor is yes. probably going to introduce them to the really amazing yes. lender. <laughs> yes. <laughs> More often but than definitely not. seek out the advice of a professional for a realtor. Knowing the market is very, very important. And looking at the numbers realistically yeah. will make a huge difference for your stress level too. Because buying a home is very stressful any way you take it. But if we can keep that stress level down by being informed and having that information, that will definitely help. Well, and I think what people don't know is that, like, 
you're not bothering a realtor when you reach out to them. Like, we want to hear from you. And we want to hear from you a year before, two years before you're ready. We want to be the ones to educate you, to help you set you on that right path, right? It's not you don't you don't feel like someone's bothering you when they reach out early, never, right? Never, never, never. It is better to plan early, making a plan and really having intentional structure to that will be very, very helpful. So, yep, you can reach out to lend, uh, realtors as soon as you are thinking about it, and then they can help you to make a plan because making that plan will help you get into a home. Yeah. Well, Sharon, I just, I so appreciate you coming and talking about this with, with me today. Is there anything else you want to make sure to say before we go? Well, one of the things that come to mind for first-time home buyers, especially, is not to be discouraged. Mm-hmm. It's easy to be discouraged in this market. And the plan, to make a plan and to really, talk, when you talk to your realtor, tell them everything. Mm. You know, don't, don't hide anything so that we can see the full picture of what is going on and then we can help you. Because there are some lenders who are re- willing to call a credit uh, bureau on your behalf. Mm, and a yeah. lot of, buy- I, when I taught home, uh, first-time home buyers class, I learned that from a lender, mm. that if you go in and you talk to your realtor, your realtor refers you to a lender or two, you share the scenario with them. Sometimes if you have credit issues or any challenges, they can help you um, sort that out and get some kind of resolution. The right team behind you makes all the difference. Certainly does. One of the things that I've been saying a lot lately is like, I mean, it's easy for us as realtors to be like, you should work with a local specialist. Mm. You know, you should work with an expert. Like, don't use that friend you kind of know or your ex-brother-in-law who lives two counties away just because you know them. Like, use a local expert. But at the end of the day, like, first of all, having someone that has great expertise. Mm -hmm. Second of all, someone that you really like. Mm -hmm. Someone that you really trust. Because... I know you know, Sharon, like you're you're asking people, we're talking about appraisal gaps. Yes. We're talking about, you know, pre-inspecting. Your agent is going to be asking you to do some wild stuff if you want to win the house. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe them, if you don't trust them, it's going to be agony, right? Like to take the time to connect with a person that you really trust is the key point. That is a key point. And, you know, having that clarity about what you want is helpful, but mm. the, or your agent can also help you come to that clarity because sometimes you don't know what you want Mm -hmm. but an agent that you like and trust will help you and you get along well and make the process fun yes so you think it can still be fun yes yes um, i I, I might have used the word agony like (laughs) but it can be fun it can be fun you know it can be fun we share homes you know talk about them we go look at homes tour homes and you know but once you get pre-approved then the the fun starts. I think you know gathering all the papers, talking yeah, to a lender, all that. It's a bit of a slog. And then, yes, but then once you get there, and yeah, and I'm a lot of fun. <laughs> Sharon is indeed a lot of fun. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing all of your secrets with us today, Sharon. And we will go ahead and put links in the show notes to Sharon's website if you want to scope her out. She does some cute videos. Keep in touch. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to see you. Yes, you too, Sharon. Want to learn more about life in Tacoma? Visit MoveToTacoma.com. Channel 253 is supported by Microsoft. Microsoft is committed to civic conversations like those on Channel 253 that inform and empower Washington communities. To learn more, visit aka.ms slash Microsoft in Washington. I feel like you were giving me a look. (laughs) (laughs) Move to Tacoma is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, 
Interchangeable White Ladies, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, We Are Tacoma, Flounder's B Team, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.